Thanks for coming to the rescue today. George, can you say hi to John? Mama used to work with John a really long time ago, before you were born. So good to see you. The farmer's market is a place where I feel in community. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good to see you too. Each vendor is an entrepreneur, is a small business owner. They are taking agency in their own financial endeavors as well as taking care of themselves and their family. So it's really a place of community and of care. How's it going at Feed? Good. Yeah, there you go. Can you say hi to Chris for me? I think what always goes through my head these days when I go to farmer's markets is I used to shop a lot more for the restaurant and I don't shop as much for the restaurant anymore because I ran for office. There's a little bit of sadness in knowing that I have a little less of a role and I'm transitioning out of my role in the restaurant, but that I get to do more markets with George. But at least have some milk and some bacon, please and then we can have your granola bites on the walk. Do you want to have them on your walk? A couple more bites of bacon. You want to take your bacon on the road? Why don't we walk with the bacon, huh? So Grandma and Grandpa are going to pick you up and take you back to their house, okay? And then Mama's got to work a little late tonight, and then I'll pick you up right after dinner, okay? There's the bell. There's the bell. Okay. No, there's, there's the... There's the... There's the older kids. Older kids' bell, okay. Hey, Grandma's gonna pick you up, okay? I'll see you later. I'm gonna pick you up from Grandma Grandpa's house, okay? All right, back, 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 back. Extra mask is in the front pack. Please eat all of your lunch. And then the two snacks. Bye, Georgie. I ran for office to be a working class voice, a bridge builder for folks to understand that you can be a business owner and understand the needs of working people and respect lived experiences. And I think those are values that every one of us has in the community, but is often lacking in representation, especially in our state legislature. A big part of why I ran was the COVID-19 pandemic. It hit and I experienced a type of grief that I had never felt before. A grief and a fear that the restaurant would close, my entire team would be out of a job. Because it was my husband and I that were chefs and owners, we would be out of work. You talk to servers, you talk to cooks, they were the first people to really experience getting let go and had no support system. And there was no representation that really recognized that being in the service industry was exceptional and that we needed representation too. Francesca is our first child and actually as most parents notice that the first one is kind of different than the younger ones. They think, they say that everybody's the same, the children, but the first one is more high expectations. 
she is extremely very strong leadership, and then she is kind of bossy, but she's so care. She uh, was a leader in her soccer team and all the other uh, activities. She took most of the uh, leader roles. When Francesca told us that she would run for the office representative, well, definitely it was a surprise, but we didn't expect that she would uh, win. I mean, she is total freshman in the politics. So we were uh, impressed and amazed by, wow, she worked really hard to prepare for this debate. This question goes to Ms. Hong. What barriers currently exist in Wisconsin that state lawmakers should look to address so more individuals can access the care and services they need? I would say there's an even bigger question not being asked here and a bigger crisis to recognize and, and that we have a crisis of connection. Then somehow she won, getting almost a 30%. That was amazing. I wasn't supposed to be elected. And so I think me being in the Capitol makes some folks very uncomfortable. Representative Hong is the first Asian American legislator in Wisconsin state history. We actually both met on the campaign trail. So I was running for Senate and she was running for an assembly district in my Senate district. We had never met before. Someone DM'd me and they were like, have you heard of Francesca Hong? Uh, she lives in the 76th district. She's thinking of running and is a really cool woman of color. And so I DM'd her on Twitter. She really challenges the status quo. I think for her, for her constituents, not only is it supporting small businesses or increasing the minimum wage or, or climate, she incorporates, you know, these ideas that aren't mainstream, climate justice, right? Looking at food sustainability and sovereignty, looking at eliminating the tip minimum wage. No, I think it's still absolutely ridiculous that we... Have a tip minimum wage? Yes, yeah. of $2.39 an hour. 33. 33, oh, excuse me. <laughs> $2.33 an hour. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and service work is, is, I think, often undervalued and underappreciated. Mm -hmm. And just like in politics, you've yeah. got like the face, right? But really what happens, what drives all of the work, anything that happens, yes, there might be the face of someone saying they're the chef, but um, ultimately the people run the restaurant. Yes. And the people run, should be running the politics. You're awesome, man. I, I, you're incredible. You already know, like you're literally my role model. So I like I look to you for a lot of leadership and guidance too. I hope you know that. This tip minimum wage, often known as well as the sub-minimum wage, it perpetuates all of the inequities in the restaurant industry when it comes to making our workers more vulnerable to sexual harassment, to losing wages, to not being able to advance in the industry. Um, it shuts people out. It doesn't allow for restaurant work to be seen as dignified, respectful work. And it is. We've seen that it is because people have been needing it. People have been wanting to go back out to restaurants. And, and those who work in the industry are some of the most vulnerable, and they have been for a while, even before the pandemic hit.
the tip minimum wage is a wage that's even lower than the federal minimum wage. No matter who you are, where you're from, your zip code, if you are working, you deserve to be able to cover the basics, housing and food and child care and transportation. It doesn't matter your level of education or your experience. We believe that everyone who works deserves to be paid a wage that can cover the basics. I try to work with Francesca, but we have differences in philosophy because I'm a Republican and she's a Democrat. So uh, generally speaking, I'm supportive of smaller government cutting spending and taxes, freedom, individual freedom. And uh, the Democrats' philosophy is to spend more uh, and uh, grow government. And it's just a difference in the way you think of things, but she believes she's doing the right thing. It's challenging when you're in the minority because usually when they come to the floor, we know how the vote's gonna go. Generally, it's gonna go to the majority Hints, no. Hong. Hong, no. Close the roll. There are 57 ayes, 37 noes. The bill is passed. Gentleman from the fifth. She wants to make sure she gets her opinion out there, and she does a, a good job of that. But it's also difficult when you're contentious to get other people to buy into your ideas. I think it's a little better if you use, uh, you know, sugar rather than, than salt. When you're in the minority, it's very difficult unless you develop a relationship with somebody from the opposite party to influence the legislation. So it's always good to develop those relationships and friendships, even though we don't see eye to eye and everything. You get to step up while I step back after this session. <laughs> I'll be 69 and I just want to step back and work on special projects and those kind of things. So I'll let it to you to carry on. It's really hard to build trust in politics. It's hard to do in the hospitality industry too, especially because you often lose sight when you're caring for customers and creating food for others to lose a little bit of sense of self. I think a lot of my insecurities and my struggles with mental health really came from a sense of never really feeling like I belonged. There was a deep shame and fear that I didn't want to be Korean. And I think that's where a lot of the mental health struggles started. Um, I deeply wanted to be American and I felt uh, shame that my parents sacrificed so much to be here and that um, that wasn't who I wanted to be. So in order to cope with a lot of those things, I just focused on achievements. I needed to be the best soccer player, the best singer. I wanted to get all of the grades, all of the high grades. And I experienced massive burnout and I didn't really know why I was doing any of the things I was doing and felt no real connection to anyone. Around that time, we noticed that she was kind of uh, very uh, fatigued, exhausted, and uh, lost any energy, and she didn't want to go to school and stayed late in her bed. So we just thought that that's... It's a hard time. Yeah, that's, maybe she's really tired out of all the, you know, soccer practice and studying. Isolation and loneliness led into a lot of despair and depression, and I was hospitalized my senior year of high school. 
I didn't walk at graduation. And I tried the college thing, a um, couple different schools. And then I also started cooking. And I think it was Bourdain who talked about, you know, there's, it takes a certain breed of people to work in the restaurant industry. And then worked my way through kitchens and realized that I finally felt more of a sense of belonging. And I think it was because I didn't have this sinking feeling of not wanting to be Korean. Being a part of a kitchen team and a restaurant team, I felt included because there was a skill set I was bringing, and I finally felt like I belonged and that I was special. There was a benefit dinner at Zephyr Farms to benefit the elder food boxes for the Chippewa Valley Elder Food Box Program, partnered with Feeding America. So I had an opportunity to cook outside on the farm on Dan's land with indigenous ingredients for and learn from tribal elders um, really about the sustainability and, and how um, we used to cook, how we used to sustain ourselves and how we used to nourish ourselves. And so I was in charge of dessert course for uh, about 100 people. Hi, friends. Okay, wonderful. And we can Perfect. move this one. You know what? I can just store some of the things. I don't have any prep except for breaking up some brittle. We had Dan Cornelius. He's a farmer. He's a chef. He works on the Agricultural Food Tribal Council. Yusuf Benrilla is an, an Afro-Indigenous chef, and he really is spearheading the movement towards reintroducing African ingredients. And then there was John Nudler and Sam Kincaid, two industry veterans. Their restaurant was highly acclaimed and featured in Food and Wine as Best New Restaurant. And those two are two of the most talented cooks that I know and two of the most humble people that I know. Um, so I'll just break those up uh, and pop them in there. Remember when we did the cookies? Yeah, I feel good about it. Okay, I don't agree. I have no idea what I'm doing. I went in thinking that I would bring my dessert and I would help with some plating of other courses. But when I got there, Yusuf and Dan were still doing a lot of prep. Um, and, and our dinner was in an hour and a half. And I was initially very panicked. I think we're a little behind schedule, but they'll make it work. We got bisons and we got speech and we got dessert, yeah? Okay, so we're gonna no. switch it up a little bit. We switched it. I'm sorry. All good. Uh, while dessert's on pass, we're gonna just Got it. So we'll start, we'll just keep chugging. Yeah. Great. I welcome everybody to the farm. We're gonna have a multi-course dinner and uh, we've got a, a buffalo that you can see John is just finishing over on the grill there. And that, uh, that buffalo is gonna be served with some potatoes. And then moving on to dessert, Francesca Hong has a, uh, a wild rice, uh, a wild rice cake that she's going to be serving. It didn't seem like we were going to be able to pull this together. Mm. 
we needed to feed these people, and I went into just productivity mode. Okay, let's get this. These boxes here, can we get them all open? Yeah, so a nice big one at the top, and then pull it down. And then when we come in with the veg, let's make sure the veg is on the right facing this way. And so then when we come through, we can have veg, veg, and then bison will come on the left side. When the tribal elders' speeches went longer, it allowed us to actually get fully prepped up. And in the end, we pulled it off. We did it because everyone understood what needed to happen in the end, and they wanted everyone to succeed. The benefit dinner, I think, really showcased how much of a leader she is. When you watch her work, it's she maps everything in her mind and then just does, does, does until she gets to the end point. I don't know, sometimes it's the rush of like thinking on the fly. This is my happy place. And I think it lends to a lot of her flexibility in the kitchen, uh, as we saw at the benefit dinner, but then also when we're drafting policies. And so that flexibility, I think, in her role as an executive chef or as a mother or as a politician, it really, really helps out. The fact that it made someone else feel incredibly grateful or happy to eat it and to be there, that's my comfort zone, right? Knowing that somebody else was happy with something that so many people worked really hard to achieve for them. I think I finally come past my feelings of not belonging in certain spaces in Madison, especially having felt very a kinship to the hospitality industry and feeling very in control and comfortable in kitchens and in restaurants. It's helped me build a kind of self-awareness and confidence that propelled me into going into politics because I think the people that represent us should care about communities, about all communities. and. Talking about it makes people uncomfortable. Having to do work on yourself and talk about having the first Asian American in the legislature, why there hasn't been any before me, what are we going to do to make sure I'm not the last? And so I want to bring into politics an understanding of care, an understanding of community, and knowing that shared vulnerability and shared struggle can be power and that power can be shared as well.